everybody, it's Stuart Watson here and I'm joined by my partner in crime Andy Warren, just the two of us today, um, to have a little look ahead to Ipswich Town's trip to Fleetwood. We're going back to Lancashire, my friend. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, that's all I've got to say about that, yeah. <laughs> What's not to like? Two weekends in a row in Lancashire in and a Honda Jazz. That's 20, probably 20 hours of driving with you in a Honda Jazz in, in eight days to... Um, to Lancashire, what's not, what's not to like? I, I've had a little break in the middle. Um, Morecambe, Milan, Fleetwood—that's my, that's my sandwich of a week. Um, pretty glamorous culture. What was uh, just a few little days in Milan? Was it? Yeah, three, two nights. Very, very nice city, similar to Morecambe um, in many ways. Um, but yeah, lovely, lovely. Thank you. I went to San Siro on Tuesday. Very, which is very different from from more command Fleetwood, isn't it? For a, for, uh, for a game or a stadium yeah, tour, or, yeah. For a game, for, yeah, for a game on Tuesday, which was pretty cool. I guess lots of uh, lots of our listeners will have been twenty years ago when Ipswich played at Inter. But being the son of a teacher, my mum was no letting me out to go to Milan on a Thursday during how term old, time. How old were you then? Then, Ooh, I would have been. 2000 let me do some math uh leave it with me i'll be back uh a high tw- school child <laughs> 20, 21 years ago i'd been like 14 okay so uh so yeah who, who did uh who played on tuesday um Mil- the milan derby it was, that milan. was the derby yeah I mean, that was yeah but that wasn't meant to be on it kind of got rescheduled um after we'd booked the trip so a pleasant surprise for mrs warren um who probably enjoyed it more than me I'm amazed that you you managed to swing. Did she go with you, your wife? Yeah, yeah, she loved it. Wow, I would I would not have been swinging that one. And that's the game that you that's kind of an itch scratched, isn't it? Because you was due to go bit. to that game a few years ago that finished an epic three three, and Ibra and Lukaku scored, and and your flight had got cancelled, hadn't it? So yeah, does that feel like storms. a bit? A bit of redemption for you there to finally see that game. <laughs> yeah, redemption song. This was basically the Ips- Ipswich v Cheltenham, by the way. It finished nil-nil. Milan had loads of chances and couldn't couldn't take them. It was the first leg of the cup set, the semi-final of the Coppa Italia. So uh, considering going to the second leg now okay. uh, in, in April, we'll see. Good fun, though. Well, well, first, you've got to go back to Lancashire with me. That's what the I want to do. The big question is, will, will there be, talking of revenge and redemption... Will there be a rematch on on the coast up in the northwest? Listeners to the first pod of the week will know that I may have beaten a former world, not a world champion, but a world-ranked crazy golf player at his own sport last weekend. Uh, for anyone who wants some proof, I managed to find this in my bag this morning. That just gives you a little idea for those watching on video adventure golf scorecard at happy mount park it says it's pirate themed there wasn't a lot Not of pirate really. themage going on was there there was a bridge there was like a, a wooden bridge that's that's about all you were getting um i've not i'll be honest mate i've not listened to monday's podcast i'm not sure how this was addressed but if you if you're expecting me to come on here and say the course was covered in in bird poo and that didn't help me or covered in feathers or or leaf damage um I'm not going to do that. I was I was beaten by a better man, um, a man. If I'm completely honest, mate, I think I think you and me should be we should head to Hastings um, for the next World Championships because I, I, you're a putter. Yeah, you're a putter, my friend. I think you could I think you could do some damage at the Worlds. I, I think there was one moment where you looked when I just rolled one in, cool as you like, and you said, "Yeah, I can see the golfer in you there." A real mate. golfer. I mean, I'm terrible at real golf. Absolutely <laughs> useless. Um, the turning point, just looking at this scorecard, was the seventh when I think I went three up and I think one of your putts did hit some sort of twig and was diverted away from the hole. And, and that was the turning point. But um, maybe maybe I'll let you have a shot of revenge if we can, if we can find a spare hour or two this weekend. Um, Yes, let's let's talk about football in Ipswich Town, shall we? Because that's what we're here for, of course. Um, we've kind of addressed 
the uh, the Morecambe game in your absence, Andy, earlier in the week. We don't need to go through that. It was Cheltenham again. It was domination. It was chances not taken. It was another highly frustrating draw. Um, and it's compounded a little bit by results in midweek with uh, Sheffield Wednesday, Portsmouth and Wickham all winning, which means the gap, which could have been sort of down to one point last weekend, would have been at two points now, is, is now six. It's a six points gap with Ipswich in ninth um, and some games in hand around Ipswich. Portsmouth, um, one place back in 10th, in have got two games in hand. Plymouth, one place ahead in eighth, have also got two games in hand. So what that means, according to uh, the supercomputer at sportsclubstats.com, is that Ipswich now have a 4% chance of making the top six. You're taking those odds. How are you feeling about uh, it? Um, I think it. I think it's just spelling out that we've been talking about the size of the task at hand for for many many weeks on here, haven't we? I think that, in combination with the the games in hand that teams have played that you've just mentioned, there is just kind of making that that task that bit more simple on paper. And I don't mean simple as in an ability to actually complete the task, but like it's simplified the the route and and spell out just how hard it's going to be um i don't know is that supercomputer is this one of the kind of let's generate results a million times and, and yeah see how i think many times i think there's an there. element of that but also i think there's a bit of um it's sort of weighted towards sort of how the games have gone in the reverse fixtures and whether teams right. are at home i think i think there's a bit of that sort of put in as well but ultimately it's just kind of results simulated millions mm. of times and, and the most like likely outcome. So yeah. I, I tell, I'll tell you something, Andy. I, I wrote after the game at the weekend that it, it wasn't quite mission impossible, but it was mission highly unlikely. And, and I think we all came away from last week feeling sort of really deflated and that, that it was slipping away. But I've over time, I've kind of convinced myself it's still on. I don't know if it's whether it's listening to the confidence of Sam Morsey and Wes Burns, who's the latest to kind of say, do you know what? No, we, we still believe in this. And I don't know whether it's the nature of the performances that Ipswich have been so dominant under Kieran McKenna, but I've started to look at the stats and thought there's still a chance here, you know, because two points per game is what Ipswich Town have averaged since Kieran McKenna took charge over a 12 game stretch. So that's not exactly a small sample size. All, and I say all in inverted commas as if it's nothing, all they need to do is replicate that again over the final 11. And that takes them to 75, the magic 75 point marker, which I think once in the last 20 odd years hasn't been enough to get you in the top six. And it might take a little bit more this year to get in the top six. But to get, so two points a game over the final 11, that works out at six wins, four draws, one defeat, or seven wins, one draw, three defeats. Mm-hmm. Go through those final eleven games, and I think you can find seven wins in there, can't you? Yeah, I'll be look. We're saying four percent. The supercomputer saying right. I would give them more than a four percent chance because I don't think that supercomputer is taking into those twelve into account those twelve Kieran McKenna games that you've just said. We've seen them. Like you say, we've seen them. We've seen them do it. I think there are tougher games ahead than perhaps has, have gone before, in many ways. But we've seen them. We've seen them do it over twelve games. I think it's going to be very, very difficult to do it from here. But the Kieran, like the recent Kieran McKenna past, makes I, I would give them a more than a four percent, more than a four percent um, chance. And you know what? this all just makes me so much more frustrated with what, what we saw over the last two games. Cause if you add four points onto their, onto their tally that they've got now, which I think by consensus, we would probably all agree that performances, if not finishing deserved, that would look so different, wouldn't it? If they'd mm. got, if it, I wonder what that percentage would come out as. Yeah. I think it would make them the form side out of those sort of sides vying for the top six. Um, as it is, I think they're about third or fourth in, in there. Obviously, Sheffield Wednesday are growing great guns at the moment. Mm. Bolton have had some some really good form of late. Portsmouth 
are starting to uh, to hit the straps as well. Um, I'll go through those 11 games and I think listeners can maybe play along at home and kind of peg peg these down as wins, draws or defeats. And we'll, we'll feed that into the supercomputer and and kind of and see, what, see where that sort of leaves us. Fleetwood away at the weekend. If we're talking about sort of must wins now and needing to get seven, eight wins, we, we've got to have this one down as a win, haven't we? Yeah, it, I, I don't necessarily feel like that going into it. Um, but you, I think if, if they're going to reach their target, yes, I, considering what's ahead, this this has to be one of eight one of eight wins, if that's how many we're saying they need Fleetwood away, who are, what, they're not, where are they in the table at the moment? 19th you, and haven't won in, in some time. Um, you, you've got to be clocking up. You've got to be clocking up a win there. Yeah, I mean, they're a strange team, Fleetwood. We'll come on to them probably towards the end of this, but they've had a couple of 3-3 draws recently against Plymouth and Portsmouth. So make of that what you will. They were 3-0 up at Portsmouth last weekend and, and uh, ended up drawing that game. But by all accounts, were, were roundly beaten by Wigan. Uh, 2-0 could have been more in midweek. But if we're putting our optimistic hats on at the moment and we're saying Ipswich are playing some really good football under McKenna, everything but the goals in the last couple of games, and we're thinking, yep, yeah, you know, the yeah. wins will come. We've got to put Fleetwood down as, as one of those first wins. So we're off. We've got our first win down. Lincoln at home to come next Tuesday night. Pack out Portman Road, big crowd. Lincoln are sinking like a stone at the moment. Appleton's coming under a bit of pressure. That's got to be another W, yep. hasn't it? Tick. Tick. Then we come on to Portsmouth at home, who we've who we've already mentioned mm. that have just uh, just beaten Oxford. Big result for them. Uh I think they're uh, they're up there in terms of form over the last sort of five or, or six games. This is where it gets a, a bit more tricky. Uh, the home form has been good for Ipswich. That's you know it's I know it was the draw against Cheltenham last time out, but they've only lost two games in the league at home all season, and that was the Bolton five two early doors when players hadn't still arrived and still gelling etc. Mm-hmm. And Rotherham. Yep. who are top of the table and they're the best team in, in the division. So Portsmouth at home, what are you going to give me for that? I think they've got to win it. If, if I'm honest, that has to, has to be one of the wins. Portsmouth, what are they, two, point, two points back with two games in hand? Um, got, to, got to win it. I don't, draws are no good. Um, do you want, uh, optimistic hat, it's got to be the yeah. win. It's got to be one yeah. of them, I think. It has to be one of them. I've got draw slash win. Yeah, that's written what down I've got there, that. which but, which we can revisit. Um, Oxford away, got to win that's it, Stu. Got to win that one as well. If otherwise, otherwise Oxford are gone, in my opinion, from 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 Ipswich's grasp, and they they need some low hanging fruit here. They can't just be playing all in for six mm. sixth place. Um, I've actually got this one down as one that could potentially be lost. If we're talking about you can lose two, possibly three maximum, that's that's got to go down and, and we'll come on to Rotherham away in a bit. I think that's one that could be down as, as an L. And Oxford, I think, you know, might get away. They might end up finishing fourth comfortably and, and um, away from home. If the, if if we're going to have to chalk down one or two defeats in here, that that's one that I've okay. possibly got down as a as a defeat. Um, and and they can get away with you know it's not can't afford to lose any games. They could probably get away with losing one or two and still reaching that seventy five points. Yeah. But but I know what you mean. They need to beat the teams around them, and that's where we come on to Plymouth at home at the end of those three games against three teams that they're vying with. I think you can you can mitigate a loss against Oxford by them beating Plymouth at home. But Port- if you can beat Portsmouth and Plymouth at home, either side of Oxford, six points from those three games would uh, would do nicely, okay. I think. What, what do you okay. reckon? Uh, I'm writing down my my actual thoughts on these games as we go. Uh, do you want them okay. now or do you want a tally at, do you want a tally well, at okay. the end? Yeah, all right. Keep them quiet and we'll, we'll do okay. it at the end. Um, uh, but I've got this. They have to win that game. They've got to win their home games. So Plymouth. Yeah. Plymouth has to be a win. Okay. So we're through what I've labelled make or break March. 
after yep. a, a frustrating February. That that end of March looks like I think we'll know by the end yep. of this month what what direction of travel we're in. April, Cambridge at home, got to be a win. Yeah, Shrewsbury away, got to be a win. Yeah, and then we get on to Easter, and Easter against the division's top two sides, the teams that look like, for my money, will go on to secure the automatic promotion spots. Rotherham away on Good Friday, followed by Wigan at home on Easter Monday. I fear that I fear that for for Rotherham that might be wrapping up promotion territory at home. Um, I've I'll, I think I've got that one down as an L in that in that in that one. Yeah, yeah. It could go one or two ways. It, Rotherham could either have kind of wrapped it up by then. And how many times do you see teams do that and naturally lose a bit of that edge? take their foot off the gas as much as you convince yourself you're not going to. It becomes a bit of a a party and an Ipswich could go and poop that party. But conversely, they might just enjoy themselves and and, uh, and they're a good team. They're a very good team, mm-hmm. Rotherham, for a reason. So if we're talking about maybe getting away with a couple of defeats, I think you're right. That, that one probably looks the most likely. Wigan at home. Similar conversation, one game on. Where are Wigan at at that moment yeah. in time? Will Keane on fire for them at, at the moment. Um, we never got to see Paul Cook take on his, his former team. No. Um, Wigan at home at Portman Road. That that one is, uh, you know, they, they drew at Wigan yeah. really recently with, with John McGrill there. Um, I've got draw slash win next yeah. to that. I've, yeah, I've, I've got the same. If But if, if they've managed to play themselves into we're obviously talking about this now with a theoretical hat on by this point as you say make or break march will be will be done if they're really in the mix by this point that could be some crowd at that game couldn't it mm-hmm. if they're if they're seriously in this mix Wigan come into town on a bank holiday is that, is that the bank holiday monday game that could that's be, the easter monday yeah yeah that could be um that could be that could be a real occasion we've seen big crowds for very run-of-the-mill games, obviously the pack-out Portman Road ones, but uh, as well on top of that, but um, that could be some some game that would remind me of. This is probably right, winding back to 2003 or something. They played Nottingham Forest at home. A really at this kind of stage of the season, another promotion contender, David Johnson, playing up front for Nottingham Forest, um, and the crowd was annoyed. It was nearly full. Um, it was nearly full at Portman Road that day, twenty nine odd thousand. The atmosphere was brilliant. So, if they've if they've seriously played themselves into the mix by this point, I'd be really looking forward to that. Um, hopefully, they deliver. Shalizas with two to go. Crew away, who could be scrapping for their lives still as we hit the penultimate game. I'll leave you to silently make your prediction there. It's got to be like, a win, mate. Well, we've got to, haven't we? If, if yeah. we're putting out, if we're if we're trying to search for these seven, eight wins, and then finish with Charlton at home. Yeah, Scott Fraser returning. Scott to Fraser's yet, road on the final day. Yeah, yet to play himself really into the Charlton starting lineup. I I know, um, but I think I think given where Ipswich are now, um, I think it's going to need a final day win, isn't it? Um, mm. To, to get in, so that could be a big crowd as well. That could be brilliant. That could be, a, that could be a big crowd. So home, I think Portman Road advantage could be could be crucial throughout this. Mm. I think uh, certainly winning the next couple of games to to kickstart some or renew some momentum is going to be big. Just before you give me your predictions, I looked at the results from the reverse fixtures in those eleven games. It was five wins, three draws, three defeats which is okay. 18 points. So that needs to be bumped up to 22 to get that two-game average. So you just need to improve what you've done by four. So you've got to turn a defeat into a win. You've got to, you know, a defeat into a draw. However you want to sort of upgrade that, turn a couple of draws into wins. Um, that doesn't sound 
as no. daunting on paper when you when you when you no. put it like that, does it? Um, no, especially when you think that that they've already drawn with drawn with uh, Oxford, drawn lost at Plymouth, drew with Cambridge. You could improve that points by just by pick, you could pick up two on that in that sense by beating Cambridge. Yeah, at home. Uh, the, um, the Charlton game was obviously a defeat, so you'd like to yeah. think that's one that could be turned on its head. On on the flip side of that. They won at Portsmouth, didn't they? So, yeah. sort of uh, repeating that is is obviously a difficult <laughs> ask, but it is a game at Portman Road. Go on, then. What what have you got? What have you got down for me? And I'll feed it into the Mate, into the uh, supercomputer. I've got twenty two points. That's just, yeah, that's exactly how it's come out. As it, so how many wins? One, two, three, four, five, six wins. Yeah. Uh, hold on. One, two, three, four. Six wins, four draws, and a loss. Yeah, which is, takes takes us to the magic seventy five point marker. What have I got? I've got one, two, three, four, five. I've got seven wins, Andy, and I've got one, two draws. So that leaves two defeats, doesn't it? Yeah, seven wins, two draws, two defeats, which is I've got twenty three points. Is that right? 23 points. So, um, as I say, I've, con- <laughs> I've convinced myself. I don't know if I'm, we were convincing everybody listening, oh, but um, I don't know. I don't know if I want the overarching kind of takeaway from this podcast being that Andy and Stu definitely think Ipswich are going to make the playoffs <laughs> because I, because I, I don't know if I do, but it's just it's it's the hope in football, isn't it? And if you don't have the hope. Then what's the, yeah. what's the point? I just feel like obviously, look, the missing ingredient, and we'll come on to this, is is a goal scorer in form. And I think if they could, if they can get someone shoulders back, confidence high, that feels like they're going to score every game, and that might just take one match. That might just take yeah. someone to go up to Fleetwood and score a brace and and spark something. And you never know because. The rest of it's there, isn't it? In terms of the performances, clean sheets yeah. galore. Don't feel like they're scoring, dominating games. They are creating chances as well. Yeah, you know, it's not as if we're talking about not scoring and not creating. The chances are there; they're just not taking them. Yeah, that was that was Paul Paul Lambert at times, wasn't it? No, not scoring, but you didn't know where a goal was was going to come from. They they could have. They could have scored eight, nine goals over the course of the last two games and come away with six points, but they've they've scored one and come away with four. Um, on my little my little sheet here that I've gone gone through your games um, starts with a draw. I think a draw at Fleetwood on my little list. So okay. I need to need to remind myself of that when sitting there after if it ends in a one all draw at Fleetwood. Um, mm. Just remind myself that it's a, not not a disaster. There's still Another twenty-one points to come in the next ten games. On paper, interesting. A three, I think, for me, three draws in a row against Cheltenham, Morecambe, and Fleetwood would be very difficult to kind of mentally recover from. And uh, they can just about shake off two of those sort of deflating blows. I'm, I think a third might might derail things a little bit. But as you say, it, it just highlights what's to come and how many points there would still be to play for. Um, I had a little look at the the run-ins of various other teams. Plymouth have got a ridiculous run-in. Um, I'll just find Plymouth's run-in here because it's worth mentioning. Ridiculously um, tough. One of the two, ridiculously tough on paper. And you could argue that it gives them a chance to to take points off of others as well, of course. But Fleetwood, uh, sorry, Plymouth's run-in after coming to Portman Road towards the end of March, they then play Oxford, Burton, Wickham, Sunderland, Wigan, NK Dons is their finish to the season. Mm. Um, and and there's plenty of these teams to sort of play each other towards the, the top end of the table. So teams will take points off of each other as well. Yep. Yep. Well, I think we're getting to the point of really what like we've started it already, really, haven't we? But very much kind of watching other teams. I'm glad these games in hand are starting to be to be played out. A little bit, I could for my own for my own brain. I could do with the table mm-hmm. just being a bit more, a bit more even rather than lopsided. But um, mm. yeah, there's still there's still a long way to go. Genuine, I, I still think this is going to be incredibly tough for them to do it from here. But um, I think we're probably we're, we're saying there's a chance. 
Yes. Uh, and if we've been wearing our optimistic hat throughout this chat, I guess if you was putting your pessimistic one on, you'd say they haven't beaten enough of the teams above or around them. You know, the, since McKenna's come in, the defeats have come against Sheffield Wednesday and Bolton. They drew at MK Dons. I think it will take a result, a win, during that end of March period to really to really get people believing. And, and maybe if that comes against Portsmouth in front of a big crowd at Portland mm. Road, that could be the thing that really, really ignites it. But a um, couple of games to get through first. And Fleetwood, uh, as Mick McCarthy would say, are no mugs. They might be only sort of two points above above the drop zone, but I've mentioned a couple of their their 3-3 three, three draws against, uh, against the likes of Plymouth and, and Portsmouth recently. Um and some familiar faces in that in that Fleetwood um, squad. Yeah. Whether they play or not remains to be seen. Toto Enciala, obviously the uh, the most recently departed blue in their camp. He um, he was on the bench on Tuesday night against Wigan. So yeah, we'll see if he starts at the weekend. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing him against you. I'll be honest. This is um, this is. This is like the moment that he left. I, I sort of looked to the game. I, I, I don't know why he's dropped to the bench. I, I, I can't say I've followed his fortunes massively closely, other than kind of in the very early games where he was involved in a couple of, uh, couple of goals, couple of assists. Um, but I guess when they've been, they've been conceding goals, uh, they might, they might question their backline. But they did, they did lose the other night. Maybe they make a change again. Um, who knows? But. Um, Ellis Harrison is is a player I always enjoy watching. Um, I quite liked watching him play for Ipswich. If I'm honest, he 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 just had to, he had a little something about him that I wanted to see more of, and it just never it never seemed to click. Especially under Paul Lambert, it just wasn't a Paul Lambert kind of player. I'm not sure he was the kind of character that Paul and and his staff wanted um, wanted around. But he's a a player that I've enjoyed watching when he's played against Ipswich, and I think uh, I think he enjoys maybe proving a little bit of a, a point at times. He's he's that kind of guy. Similar 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 traits to Joe Garner, who's also at Fleetwood, but not going to see him because he got himself in a little fight in stoppage time of that game at Wigan on Tuesday. A, so. a proper rattle, wasn't it, at the end of mm. the game with uh, James McLean? A bit of a just a, an aerial collision. They both end up on the deck, and then they're uh, there's headlocks and players running in and they, they roll around on the floor for a little while and uh, off they both go. I think Garner was probably the, the bigger aggressor looking back at yeah. that. He thrust his head in towards James McLean and the pair of them uh, had words as they left the pitch. <laughs> so um, no Joe Garner, but Ellis Harrison, as you say, I think it was as much, he's a big personality. And I think that went against him ultimately in the end, as much as his sort of his on-field journey at Ipswich Town we always felt that he was a a bit of a jack of all trade striker yeah. someone that can do a bit of everything he's he's reasonably quick he's he's strong in the air um but um it wasn't it wasn't to be he was one of the uh, the Paul Hurst signings that kind of drifted away sooner sooner than the others but it looks like he'll be he'll be leading the line um you asked about Toto Enciala he's he'd started four games in a row before before dropping out at the weekend so there's every chance he comes back in now the big question is, Andy, if if Toto Ncial is playing, or indeed if he isn't, which uh, which strikers does um, <laughs> Mister McKenna go with? It's a it's a debate we're having every game at the moment around Ipswich Town. Um, the rotation continues. It started really because I think McKenna was wanting to keep everybody involved, keep everybody happy and sharp, uh, and was kind of picking players based on their attributes for what was right for each opposition. We're almost getting to the stage where it's the rotations happening just as much because no one's really grasping yeah. their chance. I think if someone was coming in and scoring goals every game, then they'd make themselves impossible to drop. But no one's done that, have they? No, not yet. Um, no. Uh, obviously, Macaulay Bond's the latest kind of one in focus, isn't he, for chances missed at, at Morecambe, um, Morecambe a week ago. Um, if I'm picking a team, it would be different... I would pick a different player if I was picking someone to play against Toto and Ciala. It won't be; it wouldn't be the same player that I would pick to play for Ipswich in this game. Um, if I if I really wanted to target 
Toto, I'd I would I'd pick James Norwood to target Toto. I think he could get under Toto's skin um for for a long time. And then if he lasts an hour, then you've got Caden Jackson's pace off the bench to uh to then frustrate him further. But obviously we're not gonna be I don't think Kieran McKenna's gonna pick a team especially to um to target Toto and Ciara, given that we don't know whether he's even going to play or not. But um, I, I, I have some thoughts on who I who I would play. Um, what about Give you? Them to you, me. You want them? Yeah. I, I think I'm at the point where I would quite like to remove the the Bash brothers from the from the equation, particularly if it means one of them playing wider. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that works. Um, I would, if it was me, I would be at a point where I'd be consistently having Bersant Salina on the pitch from the start of games at the moment, I think. And I'd pair him with, with Chaplin. I think, I think I'd stick with that. And then it's a bit, a bit tougher at, at the top end. I, my heart, my heart keeps telling me that Macaulay Bon is the one to stick, to stick with there. And uh, like I said, the last, the last time we spoke about this, I don't know if that's me being too sentimental or harking back too far, but the old cliche of he's getting in the right areas, mm. he's having the chances. I think I'd go Bon, Selena, Chaplin, <laughs> I think. Why are you smiling? I'm smiling because we're so often very, very close <laughs> on these things without without sort of pre-discussing it. I've gone for Selena and Chaplin back as the dual number 10s. Yeah. And maybe with Chaplin, you could adapt that, that Selena almost becomes the, the more floaty number 10 and, and push Chaplin further forward almost to play in a front two. He's played as a striker before. That'd be interesting to maybe get him yeah. in the box, get him in the box that little bit more. He's, he's on nine goals now Chaplin he's shown what a good finisher he is um and I who just win? think it, I've gone slightly different and I okay. and I wrestled with that same thing because part of me thinks Macaulay Bonner has shown so much love to Ipswich Town and the fans and is now the time to sort of repay that that love and faith to him and stick by him during his sort of time of need and and he just needs that one goal to spark him and part of me thinks that but my head says that James Norwood out of those four strikers I just think James Norwood is their best striker I honestly do I think and I know he's not scored as many goals of late but he's been playing this sort of hybrid left-sided yeah forward yeah. role and I looked at his touch map from the game at Morecambe last weekend and he'd only had about two, three, four touches in the opposition box. And James Norwood is at his best when he's in the box. And for that reason, I'd be playing him as the central striker and you stay in the box and you stay between the width of that 18-yard that box. And uh, and I think he'd be the one that, as I said before, if, if, you really had, if I really had to be putting big wages on who's going to take chances. Yes, he missed one in the first half last weekend, I'd still go with James Norwood. Just look at his goal record over over a prolonged period of time. So I'm I'm in agreement with you about Selina. We couldn't believe the fact that he'd come to, to League One level last summer. The, the the thought that he's part of a sort of a rotation would have been unthinkable uh, going back a few months. And, and he looked lively when he came on against Morecambe last weekend, didn't he? And yes, I know Morecambe had something to, to protect and they were dropping deeper and there were spaces for him to operate in, but he's the one that can create something out of nothing. And then Chaplin, as I say, is, uh, yeah. has scored some goals. So that those, those are the reasons that I'd be going with, with those three, but it's impossible to predict what, what Kieran McKenna is yeah. going to go with, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it's Chap, it's Chaplin and Selena that I feel passionately about in, in this, the Bon, Bon and Bon or whoever else in, in that forward position. No, I, I'm not sold. But I, I think, I think from watching a, a couple of slightly different versions of Kieran McKenna's teams, I think, I think I want to see those those two in whatever configure. I know what you're saying about Chaplin playing a bit higher up the pitch as well. Um, he's clearly capable of it, but but in terms of just personnel on the field, I, I, I think it's for me it's time to see those two play some games 
in succession. Nor Norwood, I I would agree with you in terms of the the finishing and and sort of a gun to your head. Who's going to take this chance for you? I'd agree with that with being James Norwood. I just wonder in a side that's so kind of possession focused, whether it needs a little bit more control from its central striker than James offers at the start of games. But then again, then again, I can, I can convince myself otherwise, because maybe the control needs to come from, from Selena and Chaplin. They give you that control. And then the chaos merchant in Mm. the, in the box is, is James Norwood. I, I I get where you're coming from with that, but I, I'm not sure Macaulay Bronze bringing you that. If I, I can dispassionately say Macaulay Bond one goal in twenty, but he's bringing a lot to the team. And you know, forget about the goals; it's everything else he brings. I'm not convinced he's bringing. Forget the goals. I'm not convinced he's playing as well. Take the goals away no. from it as well as he was earlier in the season. I'm not sure he's affecting centre backs in in the way he was before. No. He just looks like someone low on com- confidence, highly frustrated, and, that, and this is where you get into the debate. You know. Do you give him chance to get out of that, or mm. or, or do you just go with who you think's gonna gonna do it? So fascinating to see who he starts up front. Um, there are other areas of the team to discuss, but before we get on to that, we probably have to discuss a what would be a wild card option up front, which would be the young man Tyree Simpson, who uh, scored twice for Kieran Dyer's under twenty threes. Uh, they beat Swansea 4-1 on Monday afternoon. Um, three goals for the 23 since his recall from Swindon. We know he got 11 goals for them at League 2 level. When he first came back, we kind of said, I think his best chance really was going to be once the season was done and maybe the playoffs had gone and start experimenting for next year. But the lack of goals from the strikers coupled with him scoring for the 23s. Do you think that sort of pushes him, sort of speeds up his route towards the first team in the, in these final 11 games? I could, I could make an, I could make an argument for you for that to be the case. Um, I could also make an argument for it not to be the case, but if you're going to argue for Tyree Simpson, what are you saying? You're saying he's a man that hit double figures in league two in the first half of the season has come back and has been scoring goals in the only games he's got, the ability to score goals in at the moment, which is the under twenty threes. Depending on where he's where he's at in terms of like confidence and things regarding the contract situation, which we've we've talked about enough on here, but um you could argue that he's their most confident striker, couldn't you? Um he's he's got the fearless fearless youth. I think Tyree Simpson strikes me as I think he's got some sort of technical things that needs need clearing up in his game for absolute sure. But I, he strikes me as the kind of striker that's always going to have a certain baseline level of confidence because of the physicality that he's got as kind of to fall on as a as a base. So if that's if that's if if you're arguing for him to come into the side, that's the argument. Um, I cannot claim to have seen enough of him play for Swindon to know whether he's improved technically enough to be as good as the players that that are currently in amongst it, though. Um, so, stylistically, it, who is he closest to out of those four? If you're talking about him taking one of those players' place in the squad, Caden Jackson, in terms of being a sort of uh, athletic, yeah. quick. You know, he's probably a bit more physically powerful. Um, he's maybe a hybrid of Norwood and Jackson. Like maybe. Uh, maybe he's got traits of Bond in terms of a bit more power as well. But Jackson's the closest, probably. I would say so. And then you'd probably be saying then, out if you're saying, right, OK, he's in the squad. So one of those has to drop out. And then I, I would argue that Caden Jackson is actually probably their most in form and I use that in the loosest term. He's had one mm. very good game against Burton, did pretty well at MK Dons, but he looks their most sort of confident player at the moment. So to sort of take him out for uh, for Simpson to come in, I can't make an argument for him to start at the moment, but I could no. certainly I could certainly say that 
if there's another game at Fleetwood at the weekend where Ipswich are frustrated, it's a draw going into the final stages, who is more likely to make an impact off the bench for you? Tyree Simpson is going to be chomping at the bit yes, if you is. bring him on for the last 10, 15, 20 minutes. He's got a, a real point to prove. There's this contract situation rumbling on in the background. He's going to be someone who comes on and really wants it. And, and they should all really want it. Joe Piggott should be coming onto the field to really want to sort of take his chance as well. But I just sometimes feel that fearlessness of youth, that sort of wild card option can sometimes pay you dividends when when other things aren't working. Um, I don't think he'll be on the bench this weekend. No. Um, but it's certainly an interesting debate. Yeah, yeah, it is. And... At the same time, we, we've we've had this discussion. I don't know. We maybe we've been talking for ten minutes or so about Ipswich Town strikers, and we've barely discussed Joe Piggott, have we? Barely discussed him, and I, I don't. I don't think, I, having seen enough of Joe, I don't think he's a necessarily a bench option. I, he, he, I don't know what what you're bringing him off the bench for, he, unless you're suddenly going to go route one. But I don't think. Kieran McKenna is a route one football manager. So in terms of a substitute, I don't know what Joe Piggott would be. The thing that complicates me for Piggott is that he's a a link player. He's a, he's a back to goal. I think people have almost sort of typecast him as a sort of more of a long ball man because he played in that Wimbledon side that went long and he had um, Ollie Palmer alongside him that was more of the target man, but he's, I think he's more of a, he's closer to a number 10. He's a back to goal player that drops into those pockets. And if we're talking about Selena and Chaplin playing in those, in those sort of areas of the pitch, then you've got too many people trying to sort of trip over each other, really. So um, it's hard to see kind of where he fits in, into the various systems. He, he's not someone that can play that hybrid wide forward role. No. I don't think his attributes are, are, are uh, capable of doing that which Norwood can do Jackson can do Bond could do and he's, he's there's other sort of proper number 10s that are sort of occupying that position as well so a bit like Fraser earlier in the season where does he fit in and that's um mm. yeah that's the issue isn't it yeah I it's uh it's been a tough old road for Joe Piggott at Ipswich and I would have loved him to have taken his chance in one of those those games that he played recently. He, he's he's had a, a couple of bashes at it recently, but for me, as much as kind of I can I can see what what people say about him being a link player, and he he has got a good touch. He he can play with his back to goal, and he does look look to kind of pop the ball off nicely and and kind of then spin away and and get. That's not enough. Uh, that's not enough for me. I. I your striker needs to be a goal threat, and I, I think we've said this before. I've said this before. I, I think he is a significantly better striker and football player than Ollie Hawkins was. Um, I, I really do. Um, significantly better, but I find myself thinking the same things about Joe Piggott as I did about Ollie Hawkins. That he's got these nice touches here and there, and you're looking for the positives and. But ultimately, he didn't really fit into what Ipswich were doing either. Um, so it's tough. I, I think if Simpson was to be involved, I think, or in, certainly numerically, I think the one that you would think might drop away from it would be Piggott. And but I'm not convinced McKenna's going to do that. I, I, I I'm not convinced that Simpson is going to break in ahead of any of those four. Um, but I think you're bang on. He comes off the bench. If you want someone to come off the bench fueled and fight, ready to go, then then he's he's your man because he will be so up for this if if he could get the opportunity. What makes this what muddies the water even more is that you can't sometimes when you're really on the fence with some of these decisions, what could what could sway you one way is to go, this guy's gonna be here next season, the other guy's not, we'll, we'll go with you know, if we're going to put some experience into somebody, it's the one that's here for the longer term. Mm. But none of these strikers could you hang your hat on being here next season. Bond's loan expires. Norwood's contract expires. Jackson's contract expires. Simpson's contract is is very still, mu- still very much up in, in the air. And Piggott, despite the fact that he is under contract, you start to wonder if that's a kind of a Scott Fraser not working out for all parties. 
it's best to move on, although it's slightly complicated because you've got to find someone that's willing to kind of match the wages that Ipswich would have been paid for him there. But um, it, you know, there is no, right, you're someone that we're going to at least be here next season and, and we want to no. build around. So, um, yes, we, we will look on with interest when that team sheet comes out at 2pm. Um couple of other positions normally this is where we say right the rest of the team sort of nailed on but I would argue there's a couple of positions um under debate this weekend I don't know how you feel Tyreek Backinson in midfield we've had a bit of Carroll we've had a bit of Backinson we've had a bit of El Mazzuni and when Evans or Morsi haven't been available again like the strikers I don't think any of those three have really said I'm undroppable. That that's me. No. Um, and I felt the same about Backinson last weekend. Yeah, I I thought he was all right at the week. I'd go with him again if I'm honest. Um, he's not made himself undroppable though. He's not uh, when when um, Kieran McKenna and Martin Pert are uh, discussing the team on their whiteboard in their office uh, over the next couple of days before this game. They will absolutely be having this conversation, I'm sure. But um, I'd I'd go with him again, yeah. Um, for this one, I think we we had this chat in quite a bit of depth before the Morecambe game, and these two away games felt like games for him potentially. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Carroll maybe for the Lincoln game at home, when you'd think a, a bit more. Obviously, we know it, Ipswich have a lot of possession, and they did it manage to do it on that on that poor pitch at Morecambe a week ago. But um, I think Carroll. Carroll needs to be playing in games where the, the possession is guaranteed and the possession is guaranteed in good areas of the pitch. So the only conversation I'd be having really is if it's going to be Backinson or El Mazzuni um, for this mm. for this one. And I think Backinson would get the nod from me. Yeah, well, El Mazzuni played, was played for the 23s on, on Monday, whether that's with this weekend in mind, I'm not sure. I don't think the pitch was awful up at, up at Morecambe last weekend. From the footage I've seen... The, the playing surface at Highbury isn't isn't loads better, and and maybe Backinson was kind of preferred. Yes, he's got a bit more height, although I wouldn't describe him as a physical player. But I would say his range of passing is more sort of aerial passing, whereas Tom Carroll's more of a ground passer. Maybe that sort of tipped the nod in his favour last weekend. I mean that he played some sumptuous first time clipped crosses from deep. They weren't sort of crosses from wide but you know clipped balls towards the back post in the box which created the chance for Norwood and and others as well but he just looks to me like the sort of player that gets a bit as as Ipswich dominated possession he got a little bit casual and he just gave a little sort of five ten yard simple passes away so um, I'm with you I think ultimately I'm not completely sold on Backerton thus far but I think he did enough right last weekend to uh, to get the chance to go again um one more player for me that's in the the amber zone, as I've described it mm-hmm. before, and that would be Dominic Thompson, the yep. other of the January loan signings at left back. Um, he's grown on me as the games have gone by. He's, he's a very sharp passer. He plays some nice little sharp one-twos. I think he had more touches of the ball than any other player on the pitch last weekend at Morecambe. But boy, does he tire in the second half. Stamina is is an issue there. A couple of games in a row, it's like someone's pulled the plug on him, and um, he's not in the same mould as Wes Burns, is no. he? In terms of a dynamic, forward-thinking player, do they need to go with a, a more dynamic option? They've got one in Kane Vincent Young, who another uh-huh. one who played for the twenty threes on on Monday. Do we read anything into that? You're right that they've got a winger playing at right wing back on the right side and they've got a left back playing at left wing back on the on the left, haven't they? Um, I, I'd still throw Matt Penny into this into this discussion. He doesn't seem he doesn't seem near the discussion at the moment. It, it surprised us both, didn't it? I remember we were, were talking at Morecambe where we looked down that substitutes list and didn't see. I don't think Kane made the bench, did he? At, at Morecambe, there was no there was no wing back option. Um, available which I think had there been there would have been a point where you considered using it for the reasons you've just said about about Thompson and tiring I'd I'd still be 
he's far from perfect, but I'd still be considering Penny at this point. I think he's the closest thing you've maybe got to a sort of a, a Burns balance on that on that left side. I, I don't think it's a position they've necessarily got got bang on in 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 the windows so far. But I'd be considering one of those two, Penny Penny or Vincent Young, for this game. I would absolutely be having one of them on the bench. Yeah, I. Different player to Kane Vincent Young. Kane Vincent Young is going to give you a bit more pace, someone who can beat a man, step overs. I think his natural instinct would be to sort of come inside from from the left. You could argue that actually just getting crosses into the box, especially on those games where you're struggling to to break a team down, is what's required. And Matt Penny is the best crosser of of those two options at, at left back. Look, I'm not going to rewrite history and say that Matt Penny is suddenly no. an amazing option because there's a reason heading into January that we were talking about Penny's just a backup option and they need to upgrade in, in that position. But I think he's probably the most attack-minded. I think he's the closest thing they've got to a left wing-back in terms of his sort of sort of balance of his, of his play. Um, it's something to think about and I'm sure it's something McKenna is thinking about at, at this moment in time. But um, I, th- that was the one thing that I found strange from last weekend was not having a fullback on the bench. We'd seen Thompson tie badly against Cheltenham. Mm. Um, and it maybe it was just a case of, you know, Kieran was asked after the game, where was James Norwood? And he was like, well, you know, not everyone, not all the strikers can get on the bench. A few days later, all the strikers got on the bench. We had four forward options on there. And was that just sort of trying to keep everybody happy? And in the end, that backfired a little bit because actually you needed a little bit more balance on on that bench. Um, you're going to have to upset some people because of those forward options. And uh, it's, a, it's a tricky line to tread. But I'd be surprised if that was the case again at the weekend. Whoever starts at left back, I think there needs to be a at least a, a bench option for them. Yeah, yeah, guaranteed. I think so. Um, Kane Kane is a good option to to have because he can play both sides, can't he? Um, he he can he can cover both of those positions. So even if we're just talking about Thompson starting the game, um, but Kane Vincent Young at least being on that bench, he because if Wes Burns goes down after fifteen minutes and, and Town lose him, mm. that's a real. Well, we had that serious... discussion, didn't we? I think there was a moment where. You know, I think he took a knock and we said if, if Wes Burns has to go off, which is not impossible because he's had some injuries along the way this season, who replaces him? You're looking at probably a bit of a reshuffle, aren't you? I mean, Janoy Danassian yeah. can obviously move further forward, but then you're having to bring on, I guess then Burgess comes on and plays in, in defence. That's probably the, the next thing that you're looking to do. Um, yeah, Kyle Edwards is a, is a bit of a miss here, isn't he? Because we know he's out for month month or so several weeks anyway and McKenna when when discussing that injury was talking about how Kyle Edwards had been well, they were working on him to play the right wing role um where, left, left wing back no right right okay on the right yeah yeah as a potential foil for for Burns um clearly we know he can play on the left but they were working on him on the right as well um so he's a a bit of a, a miss there, but you you have to have someone on the bench to cover for those wide areas because it's such a that's the width to this team is, mm. is those two positions. This isn't a four four two where you can get get width from a, a fullback, an overlapping fullback, and a winger. It's it's a three four three. This is this is where the real width is coming from, especially if, if you're playing with Chaplin and Selina, who are kind of inside. Inside attackers, aren't they? Inside forwards. Um, Tactically, that interests me this weekend. I was having a look. Fleetwood played a sort of four-one-four-one uh, system in midweek against Wigan. Um, if if Ipswich are having problems with the wing backs, just starting to fatigue after playing a lot of games, you're suddenly talking one v two down the flanks, and and that could become a a problem area. And we haven't seen McKenna switch things up majorly. There's been tactical tweaks in terms of how the front three line up, but we've not seen, you know, as good as the back three and goalkeeper have played. There's been no reason to change that, but, you know, it, will there come a stage? That would be really interesting if there comes a stage where where he needs to switch, be it in-game to, to something drastically different in terms of, of mm. shape. We'll have, we'll have to see. Yep. Yep. It's going to be a really interesting one this weekend, isn't it? Um, 
So the sub the subplots of the, going into games with subplots is great. You've obviously got the subplot of, of the attackers. You've got you've got Enciala, you've got Harrison, you've got the overarching themes of our town going to make the playoffs. Um, we've asked quite a lot of asked and tried to answer quite a lot of kind of questions mm. from each other ahead of this game, haven't we? A couple of like... Ipswich players going back to, to yeah. Fleetwood as well. Danassian's been, been up there before. Wes Burns has spoken really well about owing Fleetwood a lot as a football club whose career was really starting to drift. He was getting sent out on loan here, there and everywhere at Bristol City. Um, and Fleetwood with a team that showed faith in him and gave him that three-year contract. Um, so, yeah, subplots, that's what that's what we like in this business, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, and, Fleet, and Fleetwood, of course, fighting for their lives at the bottom end of the table. That, that shouldn't be forgotten either. So, um, yeah, a fascinating game in store, which leads us after this lengthy chat to uh to prediction time then um it's a game it's which realistically need to win are they going to do a win well on my on my little sheet here when i was uh, answering your questions for all of these games i've put a d next to it i've put a draw next to it so i'm going to have to stick with that but i think um i think there might be some goals in this one we've been used to more tighter tighter contests with McKenna here. But I think Ipswich are going to score twice. I think Fleetwood might score twice as well. Um, I'm going to go Desmond. for a Desmond. I'll go for a Desmond, yeah. Desmond 2-2. Interesting. Yeah, I'm the same as you, looking at some of Fleetwood's results. I mentioned the 3-3 draws that they've had. I think Ipswich are going to really try and sort of end this mini goal droughtish period by, by going for it. 2-1 um, Ipswich I've got. Um squeak through I don't think it will uh, be I don't think it will be uh, I think there'll be nervy moments throughout this game where we're not sure if it will get done but uh, they'll get it done and then that will set up the the big crowd against Lincoln nicely Um, yeah hopefully they can uh, they can get a get a win and Mm. and, uh, get the ball rolling again mate I'm going to take this little piece of paper which is where I've done my wins and my losses um, from what we've just done and I'm going to put it on I've got a whiteboard like a clear glass kind of board in front of me i'm going to put it up here and keep a little track of that because if if mm-hmm. uh, I'm not beyond of course it's not beyond ipswich to win at fleetwood this weekend and if they do that puts them ahead of schedule on my uh mm. on my little uh my little running that i've done now here. obviously kieran mckenna and everyone at the club will tell you that they don't look at league tables and they don't work they don't have these conversations that we've had Wes burns has rather let that that ruse slip because he's, he's uh, <laughs> in his interview this week he said that when the boss first arrived we sat down and we spoke about how two points a game would get us where we want to be and as a group we've sat down this week and said that we're still on track for that and they've worked out they've, they've had that exact same conversation that we've had they've worked out what they need so um next time they try and tell us that they're not looking at the league table and it's it's one at a time good I'm times not buying it but not uh, buying yeah it. um Friend, we'll, uh, I look forward to sharing a car with you for many, many hours over the weekend and um, we'll see everybody on the other side. You're not going to do any kind of... You're not going to do any of the furniture for the outro. You, you're not going to do it. Um, what? Manscaped. Yep. Uh, KOA at checkout. <laughs> get some kind of discount. Yep. You know the drill on that one. And... Uh, Leave us some likes and reviews because that's that's important for algorithms and that apparently. Yep. Um, I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Well done. Thanks, mate. From true crime to football, Brexit to postal. More great podcasts from Archon. Head to audioboom.com/channel/archon.
www.facebook.com slash channel slash